but if you don't mind, please mute, mute your microphones. It's important for everybody to hear. Um, also, if you've missed any of the episodes, you can find them at our website, cathedralbookstore.org. We have our guests with their bios and books that are mentioned during the um, episode. Uh, next week, we're going to have the Reverend Kim Jackson from the Church of Common Ground and uh, Ed Bacon, the Reverend Ed Bacon from St. Luke's. Uh, they will be discussing the sacrament of protest, so we're very excited to have them. Um, for all of you that are entering, if you don't mind, please muting your microphone so we don't get any feedback so we can hear our two guests. So tonight we are welcoming the Reverend Ben Wells of St. Francis and the Reverend Scott Kidd of the Church of the Resurrection. Um, about both of them. Um, the Reverend Ben Wells and his husband reside in Macon, where Ben has been the rector of St. Francis since 2013. Ben is a native Kentuckian and attended the University of Kentucky, where he received his BS in biology and a master's in toxicology. He spent 25 years as a forensic toxicologist in Lexington um, and Atlanta, Georgia. So cool. Uh, ben received his master's of divinity, placing emphasis on homiletics and uh, liturgy from the Church of Divinity. Uh, Ben was ordained to the priesthood in 2011. Ben's interests are reading, gardening, cooking, contemplative prayer, and my favorite, watching zombies, sci-fi, classics, and Hollywood films. Um, he enjoys hiking and going to Camp Michael when he can. He considers himself both a scientist and a priest. Um, both vocations searching to make the invisible visible. Scott Kidd is a husband uh, to Patty and a father of four grown children and a grandfather of four grandchildren. One's due in November. Scott grew up at St. Anne's in Atlanta and attended Christ Church in Kennesaw after marriage. He was ordained in 1998, where he served at St. Anne's in Atworth. Scott was ordained priest in 2006 as assistant rector of Christ Church in Macon, before being called rector of the Church of Resurrection, um, where he has served for 13 years. So tonight, Scott and Ben will be discussing theology and food during the pandemic. Uh, once again, if anybody has come in since I started, please mute your mics. Um, like we begin all of our episodes, we'll be beginning with an opening um, prayer. I believe, Scott, you said you were going to do it? I got it. All right. It's all you. Thank you. Let us pray. Most gracious God, by whose knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. We yield your hearty thanks and praise for the return of seed time and harvest, for the increase of the ground and the gathering in of its fruits, and for the other blessings of your merciful providence bestowed upon this nation and people. And we beseech you, give us a just sense of these great mercies, such as may appear in our lives by a humble, holy, and obedient walking before thee all the days of our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory, honor and world without end. Amen. Amen. Hello, Ben. Scott. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I uh, bring you greetings on top, high on top of Mount Yona from beautiful downtown Salty, Nacoochee, Georgia. And I bring you 
from not only uh, Macon and uh, St. Francis, but also from the top of the mountain of the, the Swanee. Swanee. <laughs> 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 you know where the South is. I've uh, been to uh, Kentucky this last week to visit yep. my mom. She celebrated her 99th uh, birthday on the 18th. And I wanted to spend some time with her. And uh, so on my way down, I wanted to stop and visit with uh, Bishop Alexander. And I asked if he could use his kitchen. He couldn't really say no, but uh, we could have. He it's all for biscuits. Let's put it that way, if he did say no. So that's where I am right now. I'm taking the long way back to make. Gotcha. So your mother turned 99 years old. She did. Wow. You know, she almost died in uh, November of last year. And she didn't know if she was going to have an operation that the doctors didn't really want to do because of her age. Or she would just go home and get on hospice. And uh, so she decided to have the operation. The doctor's doctor reluctantly did it, and she's doing great now. I mean, the recovery was a long road. Outstanding. She's doing really great. Outstanding. So 99 years old, she had a long time to teach you a whole lot of things, hadn't she? Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, Scott, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, my mom, when she cooked, she's a great... Uh, baker and made cakes and pies so i will tell you and maybe i i shouldn't confess to this okay go um, ahead it's good for the soul uh visit i got up there on monday of last week and there's you know, a number of other people there so we ended up making five pies and two uh three-layered cakes uh, for celebrating her own whole birthday, uh, her birthday week, I should say. Yeah. Oh, uh, I brought one pie down for the bishop. I thought I needed to do that for him. Now, but, uh, how many of those pies and cakes did you eat, and how many did she eat? She ate some of each. <laughs> so did I. So did my brother and my sister and my brother-in-law. We had a uh, we had a good time, and uh, yeah. she sat in the kitchen and uh, supervised. Okay. Now, does uh, she still tell you to add a pinch of that and a pinch of that? She uh, still, yeah, she'll still give us directions and say, "Oh, that's too much," or you know, "Oh, you need to add more than that," or "These details are too hard. Be careful." <laughs> so that's so that's where you, that's where you get it from. Oh, I know what you're going for. My my <laughs> cooking with Father Ben videos. Yes, I a little practice with the kids on those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you're teaching somebody how to cook, you have to be more precise than not, right? Absolutely. And in, in order for them to make that recipe their own, you teach them the right way to do it, and then they take that recipe and they can do whatever they want to after that, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I used her, her uh, chocolate pie recipe, which is my favorite, and uh, 
current meringue. It's got meringue on it. And I made a few modifications, but not many. Yeah. Okay. But her biscuit recipe, I'm still using her biscuit recipe. Yeah. You're still using her biscuit recipe. Um, what is uh, your favorite thing that she taught you over all those years? Uh, not to be afraid to try. Okay. That, not to be afraid to try, and if it doesn't work out, it, uh, you know, it doesn't work out. And maybe you can salvage it. Think of ways of, of salvaging it. Um, and if it does, if you can't salvage it, you know, you try again. Now, that kind of applies to, uh, to always reread the recipe before you're finished. <laughs> you reread and you reread to make sure you've added everything. Yeah. Now, her advice kind of plays into our theme and topic of food during the pandemic because back in February, uh, or actually the beginning of March, everything kind of shut down. And so we had to go into a mode in which we had to try things that we were really scared of trying. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I had to, you know, sometimes they didn't have what you needed. Yeah. Uh, you did if you did pick up from the grocery store, uh, even though you could say they could substitute, well, a lot of times I said no substitutions because I didn't know what they would substitute with. Right. So it was a little, it was a little dicey there for a while. But I'm even talking more broadly uh, about church and life and community and everything else. We had to learn to do everything differently, didn't we? Absolutely, we did. I mean, we weren't in the building. I had to learn how to do uh, Zoom. I had to learn how to do Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah. yeah you I'm assuming. Oh yeah, I had to learn everything all over with because Resurrection Saltee uh, we were not set up for anything uh, like recording or streaming or like that. And so the very first day of the shutdown, we had to start imagining what that was going to look like come the next Sunday. And I went straight to Amazon because everything was shutting down. And I started, first thing I ordered was a tripod and a halo lot. Because I knew that I, that would be the primary tool. And I whatever. Right. But your mom said, don't be afraid to try different things. That is right. So for the past six or seven months, we have constantly been having to try different things. Yeah, I mean, if you'd have told me, you know, seven months ago that I'd be doing, uh, would have done uh, Easter Eucharist in my living room and the great vigil in my garden with the fire, I would have said, yeah, no way, no way. Well, during the pandemic, um, what did what did you try that you actually were able to do and were afraid of trying, but you kind of surprised yourself? Well, I think it it was uh, had to be learning this new technology. Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I, I don't, I'm not. I don't dislike technology, but I'm not the first person that grabs onto it and 
I see a lot of benefit, especially now, I mean, uh, of uh, being able to, you know, to do Facebook Live by myself. I had never done that, never done right. that by myself. Like, right. so not, it's not that hard. And once you do it, it's fairly easy. But yeah. doing it the first time. Yeah. And uh, you, you, also you also had to learn how to be nicer to Arthur. Because we were with them more than we usually are, right? That is true. Now, there's also dynamics that play, okay? Yeah. So yeah. Arthur is a very social person. In yes, indeed. Pandemic, really. I mean, he came home and it was me. Yeah. It was me and Arthur. And he, I loved it. Yeah. But Arthur needed a little bit more, uh, what do they call it when they, uh, anyway, more of a stimulus, I guess, conversational stimulus than just right. me. Right. So, but I, on the other hand, I did, I was fine with that, with just, you know, me and Arthur, and I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, and yeah. first few weeks of the pandemic, I lost weight, because I was out in the yard doing everything, and then all of a sudden, I had done everything I needed to do, and I started cooking more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I gained weight. Same thing happened here. COVID-19 put on an extra 19 for me. Uh, I started cooking every day, because... Uh, beforehand, uh, I would be in the office for long hours and I, and I would skip breakfast and I would skip lunch and I would grab a meal here or grab a meal there. And so, um, when we were in all the time and had to, and, and cook three meals a day, it started every time I put on my shirt and my clergy shirts now are a little bit tighter than they used to be. Yes, I understand. Yeah, right. So, do you do most of the cooking in the house? Yes. Can Arthur cook? He can eat. <laughs> I know that. I've seen him. <laughs> I to make biscuits. What's that? I've taught him to make biscuits. Okay, good. Well, actually, that's... That is the very first thing that my mother told me. I, I am, uh, uh, grew up in a family that is a food family and my mom and dad both cooked all the time they cooked fabulous meals uh, most of it southern kind of meals but I was real particular to my mom's uh, biscuit and so at, at when I was age 18 and made the bold decision to move out of the house the very first thing I asked my mom to teach me before I moved out you got to teach me how to make your biscuits and she started crying and then, and then she showed me how to make her biscuits, and I've been making them ever since. Well, you know, we, we've been very food, we're a very food-oriented family, too. And I was thinking, knowing that this uh, program was coming up, I, um, I had some uh, differences of opinion with one of my siblings uh, on some issues. And, you know, you don't, you don't really... For me, I don't really fight with anyone else verbally. I just let it go. But for some reason with siblings, you can't do that, or I can't. Right. But when we were in the kitchen together, 
and uh, you know, getting the ingredients out and setting the table, and it was all that had been forgotten. Right. It was a. Uh, I mean, there's reconciliation in a meal time, and um, absolutely. Us. Yeah, I remember one time. Uh, there's something about the fellowship of not only eating a meal together, but preparing a meal together, and even cleaning up afterwards. Uh, but I remember when I was senior warden at Christ Church in Kennesaw, and I was uh, assigned the task Brotherhood of St. Andrew, and I was young, and I didn't know how to go about doing that, and we had Bishop Childs come to the church one Sunday, and so I, I was talking with Bishop Childs, and I asked him, I said, you know, I'm kind of nervous. Uh, they, you know, they have asked me to start a Brotherhood of St. Andrew, and I really don't know how to begin. Can I get any advice from you? And he said, the first thing you do is gather whoever is interested and you have a meal together. He said, because nothing builds fellowship like having a meal together. And it's the same way with preparing a meal to, to, uh, together. So that's kind of what we're doing here today. Right. Is that we're going to try to virtually prepare biscuits together in order to build fellowship with each other, but also build fellowship with those who are watching. And so... Hopefully, somebody will learn something. Maybe I'll learn something from you, and you can learn something from me. But as we have talked over, 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 the, over, the, over the years, I know that, you're, that your mama taught you the same recipe that my mama taught me. <laughs> it so let's get started with biscuits, because we're going to do something unusual here. So I think if you were in the same place I am, I have two cups of all-purpose flour, White lily flower. I'm kind of precise about that. Are you? White lily flower. Yes. White lily flower. I've got a, a tablespoon of baking powder, a teaspoon of uh, salt, and I put a teaspoon of sugar. Do you put sugar in yours? I don't put any sugar in. Okay, I put a teaspoon of sugar in it. And then I have a half a, I mean, a quarter of a cup of uh, cold shortening. I have a third of a cup. Okay, a cold? Is it, it cold? Was, yeah. It was cold yeah. before. Yeah. And I cut it in with a pastry blade. Do you have a pastry blade? There you go, Scott. All right, excellent. Okay, so now we're going to add the buttermilk. We are. Okay, and I don't measure this because cooking, particularly with bread, um, it's not, uh, you know, it's not so much about measurement as it is about look and feel. So you got to see how it looks. You got to feel how it looks. I mean, how it feels. And that's the great thing about cooking is that, is that you use all of your God-given senses, right? That's right. The sense of sight, the sense of hearing. You got to hear the sizzle. You got to hear the pop. You got to, you got to hear all that. You got to see it. You got to, you got to feel it. You got to smell it in order to get it right. And so I mix mine until I get a fairly loose, um, uh, moist dough where it's kind of sticky. Yes. And then when mine gets to that texture, I add more flour so it starts pulling away from the bowl. Right. Right. So now I have a sticky 
with dough, which I think is just exactly perfect. And I'm going to add a little flour to my counter here because I like it sticky and wet when I add it to the counter and I put it in the flour where it can pick up the uh, flour that it needs in order to be the right consistency. And, and just like human beings, you really don't want to overwork your dough, do you? The less you can work the dough, the less you touch it, the better off you are. Right. Right. So this is where you use your God-given hands. The best tool on earth. Now, do you use a rolling pin? Right here. Okay. I, I used to, you know, my, you know, my mom told me how to uh, bake biscuits with a rolling pin. But I have evolved to a place where I do not use the rolling pin. And my mom pats hers out. Yeah. Now, what I do is after I get it where it's not sticky, I keep folding it over and patting it out. And that creates the layers that you get in the biscuit. And so I see I need just a little bit more flour here. And so I pat it out, fold it over, and keep doing that just a couple of times. Starting to roll yours out. Yep. So I pat it out, what, to about a half or a quarter inch thick. Well, I guess my mom and you would get along just fine since you pat yours out yeah. too. Yeah. So I've got a cutter here that I've had forever. Um, it's just the right size for a, for a biscuit. But we also have this little tiny cutter here. You see this little tiny cutter, Ben? This was Patty's grandmother's biscuit cutter. And so even generations ago participate in our biscuit making. Well, I want you to know, there's my biscuit cutter. I make cat head biscuits. You know what cat head biscuits are, right? Where did you get that, Ben? Bishop Allen. I was, he didn't you know he worked with the uh, had that little shop that he uh, worked with people called the work of our hands. Yeah, yeah. And I walked in one day and he had a donut uh, cutter and had a thing in the middle to cut the hole out of the donut too. And I asked him. I said, eh, that be, "That's a great size. I wish I had a biscuit cutter just like that." So he and one of his artisans made me one. That is great. What a great treasure you have. It's just because of the size of a can here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, when you're making your biscuit dough, Ben, one of the things that I do a lot is I take a pack of country ham, and because I love country ham and biscuits, and I chop up that ham kind of fine, and I put it in the biscuit dough, and I roll it out, in the biscuit dough, and so when you bake it, all that good country ham flavor kind of steams through the biscuit, and you don't have to stick a piece of country ham in it because it's all in the biscuit. It's, it's lovely. Okay. I don't adulterate my biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> but that does sound good, Scott. You could, you could put cheese or uh, jalapenos, uh, cheese and jalapenos in it. Yeah. Kind of things. It's 
you take whatever you have, you know, it's almost like the work of, work of creation, really. You know, you, you know, you create something out of nothing or you create something out of stuff of the earth, you know, it's just, just exactly in the way that we were created in that story from Genesis. We were created out of the earth and then we were breathed. I'm moaning something. God breathed life into our nostrils. And so as the bread, as these biscuits go into the, uh, into the oven, that cold, that cold shortening will breathe life into them. Okay, mine are ready to go, uh, Ben. I'm on up there. Don't handle them too much. I'm not. <laughs> I always have a little bit of dough left, so I always make a little biscuit. Yeah. Now, uh, Ben, growing up, did you have a garden? Yes. Always? What? Did you always have a garden? We have for a long time. I mean, my mom uh, had a huge garden when I was growing up. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I hated it. I hated working in the garden. I loved eating the food. Yeah. But, but now, you know, we have a garden. We've had one for several years. And tomatoes, uh, peas, no peas. Tell me about your garden while you're putting your biscuits in the pan so, so we can get the biscuits in the oven. Okay, okay, I'm ready to put mine in the oven. Let's do it. You ready? How hot is your oven? How hot is your oven, Ben? 500. 500 degrees. Yep, yeah. Okay. I got mine. So they cook quick and they don't dry out. They stay moist in the inside. Okay, I'm turning mine up to 500. Uh-oh, now if you burn them, don't blame me. No, I'm not going to burn them. Now tell me about your garden again. Okay, so this year we had um, green beans, whole beans. We had uh, sweet Italian peppers. We had uh, green peppers and a bunch of tomatoes, eggplant. So, and we've already, yeah, my strawberry, I had a strawberry patch. Now we've already, uh, you know, the garden, the garden, you know, when they were watching, um, when I was doing uh, my daily offices during the week, I set out many times by the garden. So my parishioners or whoever tuned in got to see the garden through the seasons. And it was really nice. I had, it was really nice. Yeah. Spring to fall. And now yeah. all that is gone, and I planted a turnip patch and nice. some those winter those winter greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As uh, as we were thinking about this, I was thinking about the Garden of Eden and and uh, the act of act of creation, and. Um, you know, God created everything out of nothing, and then it, as it describes in the two creation stories in Genesis, uh, God creates first the garden, the vegetation, 
and then gives it to all living creatures to eat. And so right from the very beginning, God gives us a buffet, a cafeteria, if you will, in order to sustain our lives. And so that is where, in the garden, is where we learn first God's grace and God's love. But it also is where we kind of screwed up, isn't it? Yes, it is. Because I think that you have too much, and I'm gonna. I need more. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, we've gotten. We have uh, taken a table of abundance and made it a table of scarcity. Yeah. So as much as you and I love to cook, and um, as much as you and I love to cook uh, good food, and um, you and I have the privilege of having good food all the time, but there are those that really don't. And so although it is your and my hobby to cook good food all the time, we are really aware that we are privileged in this way, blessed in this way, that there are a whole lot of others out there that do not have the same privilege that we, that we do. There are, I mean, the refugees and immigrants, uh, you know, uh, the people in food shortages in Yemen and Syria. I mean, it's, uh, I'm very much aware of, of what, you know, about. Ben, don't freeze up on me. Ben. Hey, Ben. Did he, did he drop off? It looks like he's uh, frozen on one and maybe the one that he was looking into, he just needs to unmute it. Right when he was getting to the point, it was getting so good. <laughs> right to the point, right? Right. It looks like we're going to get him back. Ben, are you back with us? Am I back? You're back. There you go. Good to have you back. I think my phone, I have two things going on. I think my phone ran out of power. Okay. Well, as we were saying, you were just getting to the good part. The uh, good part was, where was I? You were talk, we were talking about the abundance of that we have to eat, and there are lots of others, and you, and you were naming off a lot of places that, that come up short. Yeah. I mean, even, even in our own country, there's places that come up short. I mean, we've, you know, and, and we substituted sugar for many, many things. Uh, our diets aren't great. Yeah. And we live in a land of abundance. It, we do. Yeah, even here in White County and every community across the nation, there are people that are doing with, without. We're up here in a rural community, and there are people living out in the woods, out in, out in the forest, in cars and tents. Uh, there is a backpack program for kids, which I'm sure that y'all probably have, have it too, where we donate food to the schools, and then on Fridays, we fill their backpacks with the food so that they can take it home with them whatever home is and so they have something to eat so there is a real need in the midst of all of our of all of our abundance absolutely i mean macon macon has many food deserts in it there's just yeah. not a, a good place to go 
uh, especially if you're if you have to walk or you know you don't have a car or whatever. There's many places that uh, don't have access to fresh foods. Yeah, and uh, you speak of food, uh, uh, food, uh, food uh, deserts. Um, our agricultural practices, uh, the manufacturing of our food uh, uh, industry, the the industrialization of our food industry has overgrown uh, land where it cannot produce anymore. And I saw a stat somewhere along the way where there are over 500 food or um, agricultural deserts around the world that just cannot sustain or grow right. food anymore. But yet, with our industrialization of the industry of, of, of food, uh, we produce all kinds of food, more than, more than enough to eat, but policies and people uh, prevent that from going out and being distributed to those that need it. And so many times uh, the food goes unharvested or tilled back in right, or yeah. distributed, right? Yeah. And I think during the, this pandemic, the, a lot of uh, my understanding that some slaughterhouses had to dis dispose of their of uh, some of the animals that they had killed. Yeah. They didn't have the hands to process them. Right. Right. So we got a lot of serious work to do around the issue of food and our care of creation, don't we? We certainly do. Mine, mine are looking really good, Ben. Let me see what mine look like. How, how much more time do you think you got on yours? I don't know. I forgot to set a timer. I'm going to have to rely. I'm going to have to rely on my sight and my nose. Okay. All right. But they are rising. That's a plus. Absolutely. Uh, ben, what is uh, your favorite food story? I think, uh, are we talking scripture or? What does that matter? Richard, I, got, I got a failure, and I, the, the man's house that I'm in right now, former bishop of Atlanta, when he first was made bishop, I was on the, I think I was on the standing committee at that time, and uh, Arthur and I invited his family over to uh, eat, and I made a it sounds like we're on stage right now, Ben. <laughs> okay. And uh, wait, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty here. So anyway, I made a German's chocolate cake. And I was sort of in a hurry. I had all my ingredients laid out. I had separate. I bought shelled pecans. Not worth it. But anyway... I shelled the pecans and I had two piles, the really good, the whole pecans, you know, nice and clean. And I had another pile with some pecans in it, but a lot of shells. I had them. So when I was hurried around to put my ingredients in, I raked the wrong pile <laughs> of shell of pecans into the, the icing batter. Your so, model would not have been happy. I didn't realize it until 
Uh, I went outside after I'd served the dessert. I went outside. I was getting ready to sit down and eat my piece of cake. And nobody was saying anything. And their heads were sort of bent over like this. Okay, they were really pious. <laughs> they're, they're still praying. So I, I bit into my cake. And I said, oh, I knew exactly what had happened. I said, oh, no. I used the wrong. Why didn't cut the inside of your mouth? <laughs> it probably did. I don't they were too kind to say anything. <laughs> but I, I think uh, scripturally, uh, you know, I, I the feeding of the 5,000, I mean, taking where everybody thought there was nothing and coming up with an abundance of food. I mean, how can, that's a wonderful story. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's an abundance of food left over. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you start out with a little bit, and everybody was full, and there was stuff left left over. Yeah. I kind of like your uh, example about your German chocolate cake. What is it about um, eating that kind of brings out sometimes uh, a bit of grace? You know, you said that people did not, uh, you know, they, they, they were kind and just didn't mention it to you. What is it about not wanting to assault you, extending you that grace when you know you screwed up, you did something <laughs> wrong. What does that say about grace? I think it says a lot of it is that you went through the effort, you opened your house, uh, and you know, you did this for us. Yes, it may not have turned out the way you hoped and we hoped, but you made the effort. You made, yeah. you made an honest, good effort. Yeah. To extend hospitality. Yeah. And uh, so. I got gotcha. you. That's what I think. My favorite food uh, story is I used to travel the chili cooking circuit around the state and I did, well, actually around the southeast. And uh, I would enter chili cook-offs. And um, my family has passed down a Brunswick stew recipe throughout the ages. And it's been passed down to me. And so uh, I was at the chili cook-off, the state chili cook-off in Macon uh, years ago, and they were also at the same time going to hold the Brunswick stew cook-off for the state of Georgia. So I asked my family, I said, okay, I want to enter our family recipe, but I want to smoke the meat because their recipe uh, did not call for smoking the meat. It boil boils the meat. And when I asked them that, you thought that I'd called them the devil. They grabbed their heart. No, you can't smoke the meat. That's not the family recipe. <laughs> but I smoked it anyway. I snuck it in on them, and I actually won. And, and, and so my great aunt, who could not be there, I saved her some to take her the state-winning recipe for the Brunswick stew, and she wouldn't even taste it. Because I smoked the meat. You, you deviated from family. I shamed the family. <laughs> oh my gosh. Look. Oh, Mercy. And I got a Look here, I got a brush. Got to brush a little bit of butter on top of them. I see you do all that extra. I just oh, serve them like this. They can put their own butter on. I said at the beginning, Ben, I hope you learned something. I'm going to. You see mine? Those are beautiful. 
Yeah. Hang on a second. Show you mine here after I get through brushing the butter on. Nice, real, melted, no artificial butter, no whipped margarine or anything like that. <laughs> you don't use margarine? <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing like that. Look at this. Okay, wait a minute. Look, Scott. Oh, look how brown they are on the bottom. Oh, yeah. Ella, yours look all right. Oh, wait a minute. All right, nothing. Look at those things. Lord, have mercy on my soul. Just like Mama used to make with a little twist. That's right. Okay, I'm going to take one out and eat it. I'll take one out and eat it, too. I've got a, look at that. They're light, fluffy. I got some more butter right here that I'm going to put in there. Not one pat, but Not two pats. An abundance of butter. And how they taste. First, I want to thank God before we eat it for the grain of the earth, the ability and the privilege to be able to come together and make it and enjoy the fruits of God's creation made by the work of our hands. Amen, brother. Okay, let's go. I'm going to let Arthur, my cameraman, take a bite. Okay, Arthur. Tell us. He's not biased unless he doesn't want any more biscuits than... It, it needs more butter. <laughs> it needs more <laughs> butter, right? <laughs> Where'd it go, Arthur? Come here. Where'd the bishop go? I was going to ask the bishop if he wanted some. He walked Boom. out. Boom. Pretty good. That's All so right. Yes, we got to have a winner, right, Scott? If Arthur we needs more butter. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I I thoroughly enjoyed this, both of you. Thank you for joining. And I just, I love all the recipes you gave us, the way you brought us all together and to share this experience with you. It was great. Um, what I would like, if you could, is to share the recipes with me so I could put it on our website under your profile so we can all try them at home and make the, you know, judgment ourselves. <laughs> um, also, you know, you really great facts about how everybody is um maybe there's people out there that are struggling not having enough food thank you um scott if you have ways that we could maybe reach out and help the communities around us if you have some resources that we could also share with everybody that's joining us tonight that would be great um if anyone has any questions if you want to unmute your mic please feel free to ask uh, scott and ben we're going to give you a couple minutes to do so before uh, ending in a closing prayer Well, I guess you guys answered everything. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> Maybe just the recipe. Man, Arthur, <laughs> hi. Oh, I just want to hey. say hi. Hey. Oh, hey. All the way from California. All the way. Wow, so good to see you. You guys are great. You, you need your own show. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's just what Bishop Wright needs. Two priests with their own cooking show. Absolutely. And Arthur, too. <laughs> no, and comic Arthur. relief. Yeah. Ben? 
Yep. where I live. So you can give my address to Scott too, and I'll have some biscuits, please. <laughs> yeah, really. You have to. You have to what I want you to do is learn how to make them. That's right. What I want to know is how wearing black clothing and red, you managed to not get any of that flour on your clothes. I, I did. That. I, did. I did get. I get lots of flour. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't I mean, get it on your clothes. Yeah. Right. That's it's all on the apron. It. It's all on the apron. I got. I see that apron, Ben. My wife. <laughs> but you didn't get. Oh, yeah. You get on his black apron. No, I guess he's not as messy as I am. I got a black apron over my black shirt. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen that apron. The other apron before too. I don't know what it's where it's from. Oh, the CDSP one? Yeah, this is the CDSP. It's where I'm Yeah, CDSP. <laughs> hmm. Anybody, Anybody else have any questions? You don't have any questions. Is it too no. late to learn at 80 years old? No, ma'am. Absolutely not. It's just the right time, in fact. Right. Ben, particularly liked looking at the videos that you made in your kitchen with our youth, taking them one at a time and teaching them to bake uh, pies and biscuits and what else? Scott, Scott looked at those videos. He thought I was a little uh, too stern with them, but <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? I loved it. Yes, I, I loved it too, Ben. <laughs> you you both have lovely kitchens, I must say. <laughs> well, this kitchen I'm borrowing from Bishop Alexander. Oh. Right and, now I'm in uh, Sewanee. And this kitchen is a <laughs> cabin, and so the kitchen is the living room, is the dining room. Beautiful. Bedroom right there. It's called one little small room. But now he has a beautiful view of the entire valley. Oh, I bet he does. Wow. Great. Well, um, thank you all for joining us. Like always, um, thank you, Scott, and thank you, Ben. This was <laughs> for everybody here. Um, we're going to go ahead and have a closing prayer. So if, Ben, you want to lead us in that? I will. Thank you. Now, Scott, don't laugh. I'm using my large print Good. prayer book. So, being the rector of St. Francis, I'm going to say the prayer attributed to St. Francis. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ben. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you all. Everybody have a good evening. Hopefully we'll see you next week. Thank you all at the bookstore.
Thank you. Yeah, I was say bon appetit. Bon appetit. <laughs> right. That's your job. <laughs>